Mary Oliver was born in a semi-rural suburb of Cleveland. And she's been honest in interviews that she had a difficult childhood, uh, significant neglect and abuse. To share only one of many such stories, she has written about the time that, quote, my father took me ice skating, then forgot me, and went home. He didn't remember that he had left her for many hours. But it, was also, uh, but it was also that toxic home environment that made her want to be out of the house as much as possible. And although she wouldn't have chosen that if she could have changed it, it did also launch her into what would become a lifelong habit of long walks in the woods. Uh, regarding her childhood, if there's one thing that has been most frequently misunderstood about Mary Oliver, it's that many people have wrongly assumed that, oh, I guess she's able to spend all this time, you know, wandering in nature days on end because she must come from some privileged, uh, pampered, wealthy background. Uh, but the opposite was the case. As she has written about the early years of her career, we did not have much income. We had love and work, and play instead. And by we here, Mary Oliver means that in the late 50s, she met the photographer Mary Malone Cook, who became her partner in life. Although Cook was 10 years her senior, Oliver writes, I took one look and fell hook, line, and sinker. I'll show you a photo. Mary Malone Cook in Europe in the 1950s, just a few years before she met Mary Oliver. Here's a photo of some photos of Mary Oliver in the early days when they first met. And to make a brief connection to our service back in February about the award-winning playwright and writer Lorraine Hansberry, you may remember that prior to being with Mary Oliver, Cook was in a relationship with Lorraine Hansberry. Indeed, the photograph on the cover of this excellent recent biography of Hansberry that I highly recommend was taken by Mary Malone Cook. Oliver has written about that relationship. I believe that she was loved totally and was totally loved. I know about it, and I'm glad. But by the mid-1960s, Oliver and Cook were a couple and remained together in their beloved Provincetown, Massachusetts. They lived there together for more than four decades until Cook's death in 2005. And although Oliver is the one famous for writing, I love this passage from Cook's journal. She writes, Mary has just returned with yellow flowers and a wet luke, meaning their dog, who has been swimming in the ponds. I always ask her for news. You know, she's been out all day. What I mean is news of humans, but Mary only comes home with fox news and bird news and her loving friends, the geese, Merlin and Dreamer, who are again going to become parents under Mary's eyes once again. How many years has she been watching them? They come running to her. That is Mary's news. Along these lines, if there's one major takeaway from the life and work of Mary Oliver, it is the transformative value of spending more time just wandering around in nature with no goal other than being open to wonder 
and most importantly, paying attention so that you don't miss all the unexpected things there are to see and hear and touch and taste and smell. In a poem from her 1994 collection, White Pine, she says it this way. To pay attention, this is our endless and proper work. Or to show you one more picture. Similarly, from her 2008 poem, Sometimes, in the collection Red Bird, she wrote, instructions for living a life. Pay attention. Be astonished. Tell about it. And that is how she lived her life. And on occasion, her poems are that explicit about what to do. More often, though, her poems simply show us the fruit of her own close and patient attention to nature. From time spent listening to bird song, she writes about what gorgeous thing in her 2014 book, Blue Horses. She writes, I do not know what gorgeous thing the bluebird keeps saying, his voice easing out of his throat, beak, body, into the pink air of the early morning. I like it, whatever it is. Sometimes it seems the only thing in the world that is without dark thoughts. Sometimes it seems the only thing in the world that is without questions that can't and probably never will be answered. The only thing that is entirely content with the pink, then clear white morning and gratefully says so. Likewise, while lying on the grass at Blackwater, a sparrow's song comes to her attention. She writes, the little sparrow with the pink beak calls out and over and over so simply, not to me, but to the whole world. All afternoon, I grow wiser listening to him. I love that. Noticing how we can grow wiser through time spent simply lying beside a pond, listening to birdsong. Or regarding goldfinches in a poem titled Invitation that seems quite relevant amidst our current pandemic, she says, just to be alive on this fresh morning in this broken world, I beg you, do not walk by without pausing to attend to this rather ridiculous performance. She means the goldfinches engaged in a musical battle. It could mean something. It could mean everything. It could be what Rilke meant when he wrote, you must change your life. And just for fun, one more slide of Oliver and her beloved dog, Percy. If any of you are dog lovers out there, you might appreciate Oliver's 2013 book titled Dog Songs. From reading Mary Oliver, I also appreciate her advice that if you suddenly and unexpectedly feel joy, she says, don't hesitate, give into it, give into the joy. This sentiment reminds me of what is likely the most famous two lines that Mary Oliver ever wrote from her poem, The Summer Day, that was part of her 1990 collection, House of Light. 
these two lines have appeared in so many places. I've seen them spray painted on walls, emblazoned on t-shirts, on bumper stickers, on internet memes. Quite a few people have these lines permanently tattooed on their body. The most famous couplet Mary Oliver ever wrote goes like this. Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Here's just a few of the folks who have this tattooed on their body. I think an example of how truly life-saving Mary Oliver's poetry has been to people. What a touchstone, how important it has been and continues to be. One of the most recent places that quote uh, that people are quite serious about has appeared, uh, at, appeared as an epigraph to Cheryl Strayed's um, best-selling memoir, Wild, endearing it to a whole new generation. For now, as I move toward my conclusion, let me say just a few words about Mary Oliver's legacy. In 1965, the poet and novelist James Dickey was invited to write a brief review for the New York Times of the then unknown 28-year-old Mary Oliver's first book of poetry, No Voyage. He gave her the backhanded compliment of being, quote, good but predictably good. For the next more than five decades, from 1963 to 2016, Mary Oliver would publish at least 36 more books, mostly poetry as well as occasional prose. But none of her books ever received a full-length review in the New York Times. That being said, in 2007, an article in the Times itself confessed that the last laugh went to Oliver. Even if many poetry tr critics sometimes said pretty harsh things about her over the years, it's also true that she won a Pulitzer Prize in 1984 and a National Book Award in 1992. And even toward the end of her life, she remained far and away this country's best-selling poet at that time when the New York Times was kind of reevaluating her. Of the top 15 best-selling poetry volumes in America, no fewer than five were all Mary Oliver books, all published, by the way, by Beacon Press, the EUA's own um, publishing house. A New Yorker article a few years ago on what Mary Oliver's critics don't understand observed that part of the key to Oliver's appeal actually is her accessibility. She writes blank verse in a conversational style with no typographical gimmicks. But an equal part is that she offers her readers a spiritual release, a spiritual release that they might not have realized they were looking for. Oliver is an ecstatic poet in the vein of her idols, who include Shelley and Keats and Whitman. She uses nature as a springboard to the sacred, which is the beating heart of her work. To me, this resonates strongly with the first of our UU6 sources, the direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures uh, that's so much our inheritance from our transcendentalist forebears, Emerson, Thoreau, and others. If this poetry service leaves you curious to read more Mary Oliver, I recommend starting with her recent collection. It's titled Devotions. It was published in 2017, a little more than a year prior to her death. 
Mary Oliver herself made the selection of what poems to include, drawing from the entirety of her career. And she interestingly put the poems in reverse chronological order. So she's inviting you to read her newest poems first. There are also two excellent audiobooks of Oliver reading her poetry available. For now, in the spirit of reflecting on Oliver's legacy, I invite you to hear the conclusion to her poem in Blackwater Woods from her fifth collection, American Primitive. That's the one for which she won the Pulitzer Prize. These words have always been some of my favorite that she wrote, and they seem freshly poignant these days. She said, to live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal. To hold it against your bones, knowing that your own life depends on it. And when the time comes, to let it go. To let it go. Relatedly, consider these words from the end of her poem, When Death Comes, from her 1992 collection, New and Selected Poems, the one for which she won the National Book Award. She said, when it's over, I want to say all my life I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taking the world into my arms. When it's over, I don't want to wonder if I have made of my life something particular and real. I don't want to find myself sighing and frightened or full of argument. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. Mary Oliver died a little more than a year ago in January 2019. The cause of death was lymphoma. She was 83 years old. Here's just a few photos of her final years. I think we can say, looking back on the sweep of her more than eight decades on this planet, that she was married to amazement. She did not simply visit this world. She took the world lovingly in her arms and offered back the fruit of her loving attention to all who would take and read and do likewise. As part of the benediction each week, I invite us to notice that we are different for having spent this time together. And I know that I am different. I'm a closer, more eager, more ecstatic observer of nature for having spent more than 20 years at this point reading and rereading Mary Oliver. In her writing, she's always teaching us forming us, inviting us, luring us to pay attention to the world with the same wonder awe and devotion that she brought to her lifelong habit of long walks in nature. Her resulting poetry has been and continues to be life-saving for many. For now, I will leave the final words to Mary Oliver from the end of a poem. She writes, and what do I risk to tell you this, which is all that I know? Love yourself, then forget it, then love the world. Love yourself, then forget it, then love the world. I invite you to hold those words in your heart as we listen to our hymn when our heart is in a holy place. <laughs>